0: Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They'll be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nasiradu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nasiradu, played by Andrew. The quarter will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you'd like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at Twin underscore Cities or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy so, Warren, mechanically, before we continue, you lost a pool, a blood pool point, and we'll say you have two lethal da- uh, two lethal damage right now.
1: All right, let me mark that off.
0: And so your eyes open up. You have blood all over your abdominal, you have blood all over your sheets. You feel this sharp aching pain in your stomach that only like a like a slow gut shot wound that normally would kill a mortal slowly at this time, but you just feel this. Like sharp, tingling pain and and waves and waves of it come across your stomach. As your eyes open up, what's going on in your mind right now?
1: Warren is going to be very, very terrified over the black figure. His first thought is going to be that Cynthia was watching him the entire time.
0: That's an interesting outtake. Wow, that's how much fear she, she has struck in him, huh, is the fact that it could be Cynthia there. But let me... It could be... I guess I could see the interpretation there. Let me just add a little bit to it. Okay. Real quick. This was alien. This was not astral. This was something that you've never experienced your whole time doing this because for a second there you were pulled in the tide. You know, you all lack of a better term became a drowning victim. Your very essence was being removed. And I literally mean that removed from what, from where, from who, from whatever, who knows. But I'm talking about removed with a capital R, removed. And then you saw that figure and you heard the insects. And as a storyteller, and we could cho- you could choose to run with it either way. But I'll tell you that in your very atomic essence, that wasn't Cynthia. That was something capital D different. And you realize that when you you know am I am I making sense with that because I don't want to force Warren and thinking it's something that I can understand this fear of Cynthia, but Cynthia is corporeal, Cynthia is real, Cynthia is someone you touched, someone you made love to, someone who caused you pain. Cynthia could be summed up with terms and words. This can't. Does that make sense?
1: It does. Most likely, he'll have that initial reaction where he believes it's to be sent believe it believe it was Cynthia and then after a minute of thinking about it and calming down and letting himself digest what happened he'll realize that it was something else and of course that's going to scare him a little bit less than Cynthia i could
0: see that's that's an interesting dichotomy there that you still are scared shitless of Cynthia like that you know what i mean but it's like it could be tied to that three points bloodbound flaw that you have, you know, to the clan Tremere doesn't mean, you know, it's an interesting take on the loyalty of the clan. You know, this figure has caused you fear and pain, but you're loyal because of that fear and pain you're in check because of that fear and pain. So that's, that's definitely interesting concept. So are you going to call it a night? Is there anything else you'd like to do this night?
1: Uh, Yeah. He'll heal the injuries.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's two blood pool points that you'll need to spend there. What does that take your blood pool points to at the moment?
1: Um, I have it marked down as being at 10 right now. Okay, So you're good. Alright, gotcha.
0: So you do that. I take it. You change the sheets. You have to do all that stuff. What does he feel like when he's changing the sheets? I want to know he's that. Like He's, gonna he's, always-
1: change, he's not going to change the sheets, actually. As soon as he heals, he's going to get up and he's going to start drawing or and trying to write down while sketching what he saw so that he can edit to sort of his own occult you know texts his own personal library
0: you like I imagine like you go to this like old wood desk you know the intricate oak you know really thick you know quality design desk is probably a century old that has like brass like knobs on it you know what I mean on the drawers to pull it open and you sit there and you write until the sun comes up on your journal like a fevered madman about what you witnessed and what you saw. And we'll just say that you do that until you go to bed. So Valentine, you're sitting in this living room with Donald and Donald just had this talk with you where he told you that he wanted to go and follow Duncer and he could do it and that this is Donald's, you know, Donald's skill set and this is Donald being the Hunter with the capital H and this is Donald wanting to show that he's worthy of the gift that you were given. And Donald is standing there, and he looks down at you while you are sitting on the couch. And he's like, I'll be gone for a few days, maybe a week, while I do this.
2: That works. I have things I need to do without you.
0: Okay. I'm going to start now. I'm going to go now.
2: Right now? Yes. Sure. I'll use a taxi to get around.
0: Well, I can drop you. Where do you need to go? I can drop you off first.
2: Mm it's okay, I'd rather you didn't know this time. Okay. Uh why don't you send me emails daily? I will. Just remember,
0: please, Valentine, once I'm done here, and I get you what you want, that I may deserve what you can give me, the gift you can give me, what you have. Just know this. Just Valentine, just listen, I would continue to serve you. <laughs> But I am, too, a predator, and I think we are more alike than you sometimes wish to acknowledge. But we'll talk about this once I give you what you want. I'll show you,
2: Valentine. There's a reason why you have me. I'll look out the window. I'll talk to you. I'll hear from you when you send your first email tomorrow. Yes, yes.
0: Thank you. And he kind of just like opens the door and opens the screen door, and you hear the squeaking of the screen door as it shuts. And he just steps out into the rain and you see the figure of him as you're standing there looking out this large picture window in the living room. You see him like walk down these steps through the grass into the curb where his truck's at. You see him jump in the truck and he starts the truck and you kind of see the plume of smoke come out of the muffler and you see it take off as he drives. You're left there right now on your own standing out and you see you hear the rain hitting the roof and you while you're standing by the picture window, you kind of hear the rain hitting the tin gutter that is that is on the roof and you kind of hear like the water traveling down in it and you can mm-hmm. kind of it's like this comforting feeling it reminds you probably of when you were a boy and it rained when you were a boy and you would sit there and listen to the rain at night while you're laying in your bed or you'd look out the window and i don't know like what's going on in your mind right now because i mean donald did kind of have a point there's a reason why you keep him around you know like you know what he is but you yeah. give him vitality so what's going on in valentine's head right now
2: I'm thinking about Donald, like, what I'm going to do with him because I'm kind of dangling the carrot at the moment. But eventually I'm going to run out of stick. Um, I don't want to put him on an even keel with me because I know someone like him won't stay under my thumb for long once he gets the kind of power that he could. So I'm kind of in turmoil because I need Donald, but at the same time I'm thinking, like, maybe he needs to be curbed eventually i'm just not sure what i'm going to do with him
0: yeah because this is interesting time right you know for like the last like 20 years donald's just played dad donald's just paid the bills donald was just a part of a facade that you know kept you safe in a small town but now donald knows something's different you know you, you had them uprooted everything uprooted and moved to here And I think at this time, Donald has felt more alive than he probably has felt in the last 30 years, you know, or 20 years. And he probably knows now that he that a lot of your success of coming here and even like being able to embed yourself into the city is because of him. And I think Mm. that's maybe why I don't want to say he's getting ballsier, you know what I mean? But he is
2: starting to realize his worth even more now what he brings to you. Yeah, there's a reason I didn't want him to drop me off either because i've kind of been is it is it the same night is it it like the latest night now am i still a night before
0: no you're you're caught up to everyone yeah it's the same night as everyone so it's
2: early evening
0: oh yeah i would say i would say right now it's probably like nine right now
2: okay because i was thinking of going to juno restaurant and checking out cynthia's place and i don't want donald knowing where that is or anything
0: yeah definitely just
2: because i know who we're you know I don't know them personally, but I know who works here. I know what they meant to Cynthia. Uh, sorry, to Ophelia.
0: I just want to say sure. one more thing about Donald before we continue on to, to you going to Juno's. So mm-hmm. I would say, and it's just a thought I just literally just had, I would say in a way too that maybe Donald realizing his worth to you maybe makes you feel like you said you might have to put him down because now maybe he's realizing it might lead to him realizing that you may not be the force a fear and control that he thought you were back. You know what I mean. Before you came to the Twin Cities, doesn't mm. that make sense? Like, like the more yeah. he realizes his own self worth, maybe you, the more he doesn't look at you as being as powerful as you were before. Or maybe he'll see you being vulnerable in some areas. Maybe he'll see that he when he knows that you rely on him that gives him a card to play that gives him an upper hand now i don't think he's gotten that far i don't think he's trying to subtly try to say you know without me you would be shit but i think he realized that he's he's he starting he's doing things that he should be rewarded for more so so yeah that's definitely a dichotomy someone mentioned who who views this and listens to this about the relationship between you two being interesting and that's something that i'd like to to delve into so without further mm-hmm. ado you want to go to juno's how do you plan to get there
2: I was thinking first, I'll get a taxi there, but I was actually, when I thought about it, I thought maybe I'd reach out to one of the other members who knew her. I was thinking specifically Kaita and see if he would be willing to come with me. So maybe I'll send him a text message and just ask what he's up to.
0: Yeah, definitely. And if anything, you know, like the events that Catal just went through right now, you know, like led to the end of the night, but you guys can meet the next night. And he could pick you up definitely. And that, that that'd be totally cool. We could just say you chilled for the rest of the night. So if called. he wants to. Yeah. So uh, we'll say this. <laughs> we'll say like around nine. We'll say like right when you get dropped off to your car, Catal, by William. You see a text message on your phone. Go ahead, YouTube. What what does the text message say?
2: So message Jim, and I'll just say hey it's V. I was thinking of I'll just say, heading to Juno's tonight. Do you want to come? Why? Um, I'll play. Want to have a look around her room, see if I can figure anything out.
1: Okay, I'll let you look this once. Okay. Not tonight. I have plans.
2: Okay, I'll say. Can you pick me up tomorrow? Say 10.
1: All right. Try to be normal this time. <laughs>
2: I'll just reply with a smiley face or a winking face.
0: All right. So you, you you shoot off that text message now.
2: So Lenny, you, we
0: left off where you were waiting for that cab to pick you up. You just got done having that kind of emotional breakdown for a little bit in the rain after you were, you know, you witnessed what you saw at the Dunstern residence. What, what do you want to do right now?
3: I am, I'm waiting on the, the cab and I'm gonna send a message to. No, actually, no. I'm not gonna send a message. Never mind. No, scratch that. It's gonna be a surprise.
0: All right. So you're waiting for the cab. All right. So yeah. the the cab driver, the familiar face, drives up, and I take it you're using the same the same mask of a thousand faces that you had before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he sees you there, and he rolls down the window, and he's like, "Come on in, bud. Get out of the rain."
3: I'll get in. I'll be like, "Oh, so sorry, 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 man."
0: you got some kind of the fling going on in here. You sure like to come to this neighborhood a lot, man. And it doesn't look like you're stealing anything. And he kind of just like gives you the one over in the rearview view mirror. Um,
3: I'm not going to answer the question. I'm just going to say to him, uh, take me to, and I'm going to read off the, or say the address that uh, goes to the uh, ice skating rink where Coach Olsen is usually at this time of night, like doing those late practices.
0: Yeah, that training center definitely yeah. so he takes you to the suburb that that training center resides in and you go from the way upper crust neighborhood that you were just in back onto a freeway and you're heading towards now suburban america you know you're talking about strip malls you're talking about costcos you're talking about a walmart you pass some fast food you see like some minivans you see some this definitely isn't minneapolis this is warmer this is cozier this is safer but you know within the warm confines of this suburb in a center that is was created to help youth reach their dreams and their potential and winter sports there's a man that is just as much of a monster as you were Was he as extreme, maybe, as Dunster? No, but he ruined just as many lives, and who knows how many suicides and deaths he's also responsible for. As you come into the parking lot of this modern architectured area, which we had talked about before, what's going on right now in Lenny's mind as he's heading in there? Like, what what, what kind of emotions is he feeling?
3: Anger. Um... Like I said, he was uh, last time. He's personally vested in this now. You know, he fe- he feels like no, I need to do something about this, and so he's like trying to focus that uh, fury that he's feeling on on a task. And so, like any any attempts by the cabbie to like strike up conversation or anything, uh, I'm sure they would have died out real fast once he realized like I am not in the mood.
0: You can tell too, by the cab. The cabbies like reaction to your body language, to your demeanor, that the prey side of him is coming through that more animal side of his brain that can kind of like sense instinctually that danger is somewhere around, you know, that's something that just be quiet, just shut your mouth, just look at the road, just get this guy to where he needs to go. He pays good money and he knows it. And not only does he know that instinctually, he knows that through the years of doing this, right? You don't ask too many questions. You just kind of do. Maybe he was trying to be lighthearted in his question. And, he, and if anything, your reaction right now has told him, don't ever ask that kind of question again. Mind your own fucking business. This guy has money, no matter how he looks, no matter how he is. And just take him from point A to point B where he needs to go. So he stops in this parking lot and he just simply waits for you to react. And he looks at the little fair thing and it says like, you know, twenty six seventy five. And there's a moment, moment a quiet moment where he's sitting there and he doesn't want to break the ice and he's waiting for you.
3: So before I gave him like a $100 bill, right? Tell him to pick me up. I'll say to him, uh, you're covered, right?
0: But I got a question before I react because I can picture how he says it. When you say we're covered, are you saying it in the tense Lenny voice or are you saying it in the cabbie or in the bum's voice? Because I can almost picture like that tense. Lenny voice coming out you know what I mean oh, a little bit
3: no no at this time he's had time to recover from that
0: oh okay gotcha so it's yeah the
3: act is back on the the false image that is projected into other people's minds is, is in place
0: gotcha understood so he's like yeah we're good pal we're good you know my number if you need me again alright pal
3: yeah hey thanks and then I just get out without waiting waiting for any other response
0: and quickly this car takes off and, you know, that it leaves the parking lot and you're sitting there or standing there in this parking lot and the rain's coming down still. And you see that the lights are on within the double doors, you know, of this, of this modern architecture building. I kind of, like I said, I already ex- uh, described it before, but it's kind of a, Modern sporting complex that has like you know, like the oval shapes and kind of more curves to the building, and kind of more uh, it's like an Olympic training center of sorts, but for like hockey and ice skating for sports that are are defined as winter sports in the north. And you kind of see like these huge double doors that like are there, they have glass on each side, and then there's double doors that are glass, and there's like this huge, uh, like, like, like kind of foyer that's in front of it that has like. This little fountain thing that right that's in the middle of it that kind of has like a figure of like an ice skater, a statue of an ice skater on there. But right now it's being drenched by rain, you know, and the rain's starting to come down. You can see as you're in the parking lot, just staring at this at this building, you can see the rain just like like bouncing off the sidewalk, the cement, bouncing off everything, and you just see this warmness that is coming from that glass. And it's about, I would say, about like 10, 30 at night. And you know, like the the, the lights that are from, coming from with it are dimmer than normal, meaning that like most of the staff went home. But a few dedicated individuals like Coach Olson just happened to be there. And maybe in a way, Coach Olson resides in here, like, like spend so much time in here, even when there's no children here or there's no one practicing any sports because it's the only way he can slightly scratch that itch of the horrible things that he used to do you know by just being in an area where he knows these children are around and that they're by and just like it's the closest he can get to that forbidden fruit which his sick perverted mind craves especially with the added like aggressiveness that your vitae brings out in him so what are you going to do
3: i um i'm going to use unseen presence and <clears throat> go inside uh just quietly
0: So you make your way inside and like the door the front you know you i almost want a picture and i want to shoot this idea to you real quick i could picture like you having a key to the front double doors you know what i mean like he gave you a key he made a copy of whatever key he has a staff key to where oh, you can... i've
3: got a key to his house and he doesn't even know it
0: okay 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 cool so i just wanted to make sure before i went on with the scene i love that man <laughs> so uh you walk up to this door and you're kind of protected from the rain for a little bit because there's like this little like two foot overhang and you s- quietly slide the key in there and you turn it and you open and you kind of hear like the glad the bottom of the glass door like like brush against the carpet that's inside. You, you feel me? Like there's like this mm-hmm. wonderful awesome carpet. And so you can kind of hear it like as you open it up and you step in and there's no one out there and you even like as the door gently closes behind you. You know you turn around, you lock it, you know back and you start heading towards the area where you know coach olson resides you know you walk in these huge And lights. i have my
3: my hoodie pulled up you know because they're security cameras you know oh yeah
0: so. so you are walking with your hoodie up and you're kind of it goes from where you <laughs> make a left at the desk and you're walking through these this wide like i mean i'm talking about like like 10 15 people could walk next to each other and walk down this hallway. and still not be, you know, crowded. And you see these windows that are on the right side of the hallway and you look through and you see like, uh, one, like you're looking kind of down on like a weight room. And as you're walking more then you see, like, there's like one ice skating rink. And then as you're walking down, you see, there's like a Olympic pool for like people to work on their cardio swimming. And on the left side of the walls, you see these huge pictures of like, you know, uh, successful athletes who made their way through here, who may be like on Olympic teams or professional hockey or something to that extent and like random pictures and you make your way down and eventually you get to where there's like a double door at the very end. I'm talking about this is like 300 yards down, you know, and it's like a a staff only, you know, and it has like another key thing and you slide the key that you have in there and you open it gently and you make your way into it. And you, there's, like, concrete that is there, you know? And you know that, like, if you make your way... This is, like, your secret little way to get to his locker room, you know what I mean? And you kind of... And you walk by, like, uh, huge water heaters and, like, boiler room type stuff, you know? And you walk past, like, stacks of equipment and just, just cement and metal until finally you get to this other door and you know that this door leads to the back of the locker room, one of the, the locker room where his office resides in. So you kind of, like use your key and you open it up and you're really like feeling it right now. You really feel like you're kind of like deep inside this, this, this institution here. And like, no one knows you. It's gotta be like incredibly empowering feel too. Yeah. Knowing that you can come across here and no one can literally stop you. You have access to something that like a lot of people don't have, you know? And at so the same you-
3: time, it's familiar. Um, it's a place that he has been not, not just, you know, since he's died, but when he was alive, it's a it's like a like a grounding kind of thing for him
0: like it keeps you it keeps it reminds you of the life before you're saying
3: a little bit yeah like you know the glory days like oh you know when I was when I was out there on the rink and it just makes him feel a little bit uh just better about himself more confident
0: oh gotcha like recharges those batteries in a way so you make it you come into the locker room and you see like these lockers now not all the lights aren't on the those fluorescent lights that are usually turned on locker they're kind of off at the moment but you can smell the the distinct smell of like slight mildew coming from the the showers you know like they need to be cleaned soon you can kind of smell like that body odor smell that kind of seems to linger in a gym and you it's all concrete within there's like five rows of these like green lockers and there's like wooden benches and you can See to the left, on the other side of this locker room, you can see like a like a little wall that goes like like maybe five feet up. And on the other end, is like group showers, you know, where kids would take showers once they were done. And, you know, if you keep going straight, like in the door you walked in, if you walk all the way down to the end there, that his office is on the right there. And then there's like the main entrance to the lobby, where normally most people are, excuse me, main entrance into the locker room where most people would go into. So what do you do?
3: So I'm going to his office and listening as I go, like a as day before, you, where yeah. I just kind of see if I hear anything.
0: So you slowly start walking there, and you hear the murmuring of a television and you can kind of see too, coming from the office cuz his his office lights aren't fully on like he probably has this desk lamp that he has on that like like the city of Minneapolis gave him at one time for being like coach of the year in 1987 for like the Minnesota State, you know, youth hockey team and you see like it's illuminating the room you can kind of see it coming out the window cuz he has like this rather large window that's part of his office too and you can hear the you can see the flickers of a television like 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 you know when shapes change or whatever and there's a moment where for a second you're not quite sure what it is and then you kind of hear like sitcom like studio laughing you know what i mean like ha ha ha, ha is like buzzerly like muffled like he might be watching tv in there uh and you know from when your time's going into that he has like this smaller tv that he has like propped up on like a top of like a a, a cabinet of sorts so where if he wanted to watch it while sitting at his desk he could and you eventually while you walk up there, you get to the door and you look and you see this husk of a man. You know, I mentioned before the first time that you had an interaction with Coach Olson in this game that this guy used to be athletic and was fairly good looking and had like, you know, a charm to him that like put people, you know, not only the boys like you and others guard down as coming across as like a mentor, but had like a whole city and a whole like population just thinking he was like this this great person who helped out, youth now mind you his reputation has not been ruined but his looks have you know now they're sitting a man who is balding who has like this gray hair that's on his temples who has like this jaundice kind of Yellowish to his skin, his his nose, the the blood vessels of his nose seem to be popped, and he's lost like weight. He kind of has like this arch now to him a little bit when he sits, like an older man, you know. Because in reality, he's probably a man of like sixty years old right now, seventy years old. While you do give him his white day, and he can heal faster, like you see, his finger isn't taped—the one that you broke in the drawer, you can kind of see though that like age and your blood have taken a toll on him. And you see like when he's watching this tv the the predatory i hate to use the word confidence but just like the confidence an asshole like that would have who made tons of kids his victims and never got caught you see it it no longer is there you see like a shell of a man there as he's looking like if you didn't know the things that he did to you and to other kids you would feel empathetic and feel sorry for this man you would think he was probably a man fighting cancer and who was going through leukemia treatments that's Un- probably
3: how other people feel about him now
0: oh yeah, well, yeah they probably do and they probably think that's why he stays here at the gym you know they probably think that's why he puts it in because it keeps his mind off of his you know losing his, his 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 um his age you know his vitality that is his one last grasp to his to his youth because this whole complex was built around him you know this complex is because of him because of what he did for kids and how he helped them get through so for him to be this lost god who sits within its bowels who sits in this office watching this sad sitcom you know trying to like feel alive it's almost like this weird unspoken unspoken agreement that this that the people who use this facility and run it have that they know that this man who is slowly losing who he was resides within it and they feel empathy for him and they feel bad but yet while you say some may see that i'm sure there's others who were in shoes like you who never spoke out who compartmentalized the abuse that they held at his hands who know and they see this and maybe they don't acknowledge it in their heads but there's probably a side of them who get joy from seeing him so weak and decrepit and sad
3: and Lenny's one of those he he actually like has that kind of like he enjoys that power he holds over him and so seeing him in this state just makes him like it, it in a like fucked up vindictive kind of way just makes him go i did right you know like he he feels like validated even even if he, what he's doing is bad he still feels like he's doing the right thing
0: yeah, because you rationalize it, you know, and I like that you mentioned that because it's your way of saying what I did, what I'm doing right now by giving this man his white day is good, even though I know that it makes him more ferocious, even though I know it brings that uglier side of them. And maybe he has abused other kids. I just don't know it, but I see him now I see him powerless and I see him not be the man who he was. So all that's okay. And, it's, and, it, and in a way that is the fucking kindred condition right there. You know what I mean? You are rationalizing your dark urges to see revenge upon this man. And, and, and I love that. I, I, I don't love that. Let me rephrase. That. I, I, I don't love that the things he could be doing. But I love the fact that you're Lenny in himself is refusing to acknowledge what could possibly be happening and is just looking gloating, powerful, I control. Because that is part of the curse of Cain, you know, is that there's thinking, you know, what's right and wanting that control and you see it right now in front of you.
3: So is his door open?
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's open. Yes, it's open right now, and you can like hear the television right now, and you can just see him looking at it right now. There,
3: I'm gonna walk up behind him, like real close, and I'm gonna like put my hand on his shoulder and just kind of like just letting go of the obfuscating ability, and just like this cold, dead hand just gripping him. I'm not even gonna be using. Mask of a thousand faces in this, and it's very rare that he's seen me like this. It's not the first time, but uh, it's like a power play Lenny does, you know, when he wants to see, like, when he wants him to see this whole side of him, like, this is what I've become. You know, and wants to really instill that fear in him.
0: This is what he does. There's a moment where you feel him tense, and he looks over you over your shoulder real quick with the surprising speed that probably someone and expect you would but others wouldn't expect coming from such a a frail body and you see him like he tries to like get out of your grasp do you let him get out when you hold on to his his shoulder like that do you let him slip out of it or do you hold on to it
3: i just i just hold on to him that pale cold hand yeah. just gripping his shoulder yeah. holding him in place not nice. even like uh letting him move out of the chair at all
0: Gotcha. So he, you feel like an instinct and then there's just a moment you feel like you hear gurgling come, coming from within his throat because there are times where men, people are so afraid, so scared instinctually. And in that Neanderthal part of their brain that used to hide in caves from like saber toothed tigers and, and used to hide with fire to try to protect themselves. There's such an instinctual fear to where their vocal cords refuse to work. And their whole body refuses to work. And they're locked in fear. And you hear that. You hear that and the gurgling coming from his throat. Like he is trying to breathe, scream, flee, beg. And just
3: kind of quiet now.
0: And there's a moment you feel like the connection that you have with him. I'm not talking about the connection from your mortal days, but I'm talking about this cursed connection that you introduced between you two communicates. And he relaxes a little bit, but he still stares at you in this fear. But this adoration fear, like this 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 fear that like Moses used to fear around the God of Abraham, he feels that as he looks up to you, almost like he's seeking guidance because there has to be a reason you're here. And it's almost like that relationship that a lot of those figures in the Old Testament had with the God of Abraham. What are you going to do?
3: I let go of him and I take a step back. And wait for him to just kind of turn around. Let him get his bearings real quick. And when he has, I'll uh he's like adjusted himself or turned around, set, set up straight, stand, whatever he wants to do. Then I'll address him.
0: He stands up and he kinda of like stands up with trying to put the the chair between you two. You know what I mean? Just for that comfort barrier. While he does feel that adoration to you, he also feels a fear, you know. So that that chairs his last grasp. About, like putting some kind of barrier between you two but it's not like he's not doing it a defensive way you know what i mean he just gets up and he stands behind the chair and he puts both his hands on the chair and he's just looking at you like he's waiting for you to talk
3: all right um i grab the chair and i fling it out of the
0: office so you grab this chair and you throw it and it like goes flying through this door and i would say with Almost like
3: casually just just with extreme strength
0: yeah and it like flies through the door and you just hits the side of one of the lockers And there's this you hear this rattling and, like, the sharp crack of, like, plastic and the wheels as they, like, hit the cement. And you just, you know, this clattering sound. And when you do that, he's just staring at you right now. And as you're looking down on him, you see in front of his khaki pants, like, wetness from the groin as it starts, like, running down the side of his left leg.
3: Are you ready to earn your blood? Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. What do you want me to do?
3: There's a man. His name is Roman Dunstern. I'm going to open up my phone, and I'm going to show him a picture of the guy that I took.
0: See him slowly, apprehensively, like, walk towards you, and he's just kind of, like, trying to get a closer look at the picture.
3: I'm going to send you this and a picture of his address and his car and his license plate. You're going to hire a private investigator. I want you to look into this man and tell me everything you can find about him.
0: Okay. I'll do that. I'll do that.
3: You see, this Duncern guy, he's a disgusting wretch just like you. A horrible, evil, disgusting piece of shit. Preys on children, just like you. But, unlike you, there is no hope of redemption for him. I'll do, that.
0: I'll, 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 do I'll start tomorrow. i I'll, I'll, I'll get someone. I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Good.
3: And, like I said, succeed in this and you'll have earned your blood
0: yes, yes 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 you know you were different than all the others right i i loved you i need but you to roll backhand me. him okay i was about to have your old self-control roll but do you. Do i you can roll it do you want yeah. me to see yeah. if give like me. i can not yeah. do it i want to see if you frenzy when he says that so <laughs> okay give me, give me a self-control roll i'll say difficulty four but i think you have that flaw right where you get plus two to your like yes. Frenzy roll, so difficulty six, please.
3: Oh wow, I have three successes. You can I still just, back. You can still backhand. Yeah, I backhand him. Yeah. the shit out of yeah. him. Like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting my full strength into it, but it's gonna hurt.
0: So you backhand him, and he flies back into like this filing cabinet that he has. That's like six feet tall, and on top of it, there's like all these trophies. And As he you, flies back, I'm gonna move forward, like real close, and just grab him by the throat. So you, yeah, you, you, bam, smack him, right? These trophies shake. You rush up and grab him by his throat. You see like his eyes are bugged out looking at you. And these like trophies are kind of like falling over his head a little bit and like hitting your broad shoulders, like whatever. And there's a, and you're sitting there and you, you, you hold, you're holding his neck. What do you say?
3: I could snap you
0: like a twig. Do it. Do it. I don't want to live no more.
3: I say to him, No. You're going to pay for everything you've done, and then you can meet your end.
0: Please just kill me. I can't do this no more. Please just kill me. I'm, I'm sorry. Just kill me. I don't want to live no more.
3: I let go of him. I step back and say, you know what I asked you to do. And I just start walking away.
0: As you turn around and walk away and leave this quivering coward of a man, soaked in his own piss, kneeling down amongst these trophies, you turn and you see this one trophy. From the 1985 season that you actually played in that he got first place in. And you see it falling. It was from this conference that happened, this tournament in St. Paul. And there's a second while you sit down, you stare, and you look down at this trophy. And you remember, like, the team getting it. You remember touching it. Like, all the team members touched this trophy when you got it, like an homage to it that you guys won. And you realize the stark difference now of control. No longer are you fear and fear of him. And it just sinks in. Like you, what you're doing is right in your head as you walk out the locker room door.
3: Um, That trophy. Mm-hmm. I want to crush it with my foot. Just stomp right on it.
0: Nice. You step on, you feel this like gratifying, like squishing feel as that like fake gold, you like know, and that breaks breaks and just smashes under your foot as you walk by. Is there, I would say by the time that this is all said and done and you get back, you know what I mean? You get back to the city proper. You probably have like an hour of daylight left. Is there anything you'd like to do? Are you calling it a a night?
3: I'm calling it a night. Um, I'm leaving this place. uh, My normal way of just maybe catching a bus or something. And uh, just the rest of the evening for me will be spent in a. Kind of like a self reflective kind of mood, you know? He's just thinking about, like, you know, what happened tonight. There's so much, you know? There's a lot that just went under, under, underwent, and he's just kind of like absorbing it all.
4: Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion, so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop-shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High-level games the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games, with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin that's highlevelgames.ca Please, help. They're coming. (laughs) The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Yon Masquerade
0: The Demon's Mirror
4: thirteen Candles
0: Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels
4: The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to EORPodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more.